This message is brought to you by Living Faith Church. You can find us on the web at livingbyfaith.com. I just want to introduce our speaker tonight because we've, we've made a commitment this year to be committed to what's happening in so to what the curriculum is. And so um, tonight we're going to be blessed by Marianne Hayton. She's married to Pastor David Hayton. She grew up in this church. She's been here since she was five years old. And at the age of five here, God began to train her to teach faith. And we're in the faith module. She was the prime faith teacher in the training center when we had the tuition-based school. So um, I want to encourage you, just open your heart. Um, It's cool to have a teacher that God has trained from childhood. Amen? We would teach it together since 1990. At home, we would teach each other. Long conversations. good to be back with you guys. Kevin, what you were saying was so good. You were, you're showing your daughter the way she should, she should be treated. And what's been going on in my heart for a couple weeks now is we sang, we sang a song, and I think we've sang it a few times, it's so much better your way. It's so much better your way. And Jesus shows us the Father's way. He's showing us a better way. Kevin is showing his daughter the way she should be treated. Jesus, in the word, he was showing us his father. He was showing us the ways of the kingdom. You can put that slide up there, Donna. We're taking it real how it used to be in training center. I love a PowerPoint, guys. I am all about a PowerPoint. So I dusted off my PowerPoints, I updated, I smashed them together. So it's, you're getting the real flavor now. But Jesus shows us the way. Throughout the word, Jesus is promoting relationship above rules. In the law, it was all about rules. It was about doing it the right way. But what that was showing us is that we could never do it alone. We could never do it. Why? Because we were built for relationship. We weren't built to do it alone. So Jesus comes and he shows us. And over and over he shows us that it's not about rules. Do you think that was easy for people? To take when it's always had been about right and wrong? Do you think it was easy? Do you think they took and they're like, yeah, this sounds great. This is normal, right? Because we all have our, our normal, don't we? We have our normal that we grew up with. And so that's our normal. So when we come into contact with somebody else's normal, their normal is not normal. Their normal is weird. Anybody who's married here, your normal comes in contact with your spouse's normal? What? Right? We all have paradigms that we grow up with. And so that gives us a paradigm of of right and wrong. It gives us a paradigm of what a relationship with a father is like. Right? And a lot of times, it's... When you are a, a, a child, what happens when you do something wrong? You get in trouble. You get in trouble. You broke a rule. You didn't do it right. And now you're in trouble. And so this is the paradigm that we have in life, in natural life, right? So then what do you think happens in our spiritual life? Right? Because... This module is about faith. God's perspective on faith. The just shall live by faith. So this life that we're living is a life of faith. Right? So in that, and why am I talking about rules and right and wrong? Because I want to tonight set up a picture of this life of faith. I want to take some things 
I want to build a picture of some words that we hear all the time. And I want to take them away from just being these words that we read in scriptures that this scripture's over here and this scripture's over here and this word faith is here and this word meditation is here and this word confession is here and this word hope is here but there are these kind of words that are floating out there and I read them in scripture and I apply them sometimes when they need to be applied and I want to create a picture right here at the beginning of this year, so that you can go into the rest of this year of building blocks, right? Because building blocks say you're building something. That you would build it based on the reality that relationship is not about you being perfect. It's not about you following all the rules. Because we can't follow all the rules. If it was about rules... And about doing it correctly, I wouldn't be up here. And you wouldn't be in those seats. We could close the doors and go on home. Because not a one of us is perfect. And you know what? We don't have to be. You know what's so beautiful and what I love? Is that when you look at the hall of faith, all the great people of faith. They were crazy. Seriously, go. I went and I looked and I made, because I, I love a good chart too, guys. I love a PowerPoint. I love a chart. I made a chart of all of the people, those great men and women of faith, they were crazy. But yet sometimes don't we feel like we have to be perfect? Am I really living by faith? My kid got cancer. What did I do wrong? But see, these are the things I want you to strip away right now, right here at the beginning. God is not punishing you. But you know what? I grew up in this, right? I grew up in faith. I grew up with a mom and a spiritual father who were showing me what faith was from, since I can remember. But yet still when things happen, when Eli got cancer, there was still that underlying thought What did I do wrong? Because faith, if I'm really walking in great, huge God faith, if I'm really the just shall live by faith, if I'm really living in faith, how did this happen? Because I'm really trusting God, where did this get in? See, these are the paradigms that we have to break down. And we hear that it's about relationship all the time. There are certain things that I say every time I get up and speak. And one of them is relationship. And you're probably going to hear a whole lot of other things that I've spoken before. But we've got to get it. Because what happens is thoughts come in. You did something wrong, Marianne. And what does that do? Walls come up. Walls come up. And I'm not trying to get the walls, but when you feel like you've done something wrong, what, you kind of retreat a little bit, and the walls go up. And if the walls go up around me, relationship. See, God's not going over there, but I've stopped it without even realizing it. And so right now, I want you just to be like, just let all of the paradigms of, of what parent-child relationship right and wrong, getting punished, having to be perfect, I want you to wipe it away now. Because Jesus never, ever portrayed that in the scripture. He never said it's about being perfect. And I want to look at some scriptures right now that show us That it's about relationship. Jesus came and he showed us it's about relationship. It's not about perfection. It's not about living a perfect, clean life. Because again, if that's what it was about, none of us could do it. Because we were never meant to do it alone. We were never meant to do it alone. I want to look at uh, Luke 10, 27, I'm actually going to read, it's about, it's the Good Samaritan, but I'm going to read it uh, from the Passion Translation, starting at verse 25. So Luke 10, I'm going to start at 25. 
Jesus then, just then, a religious scholar stood before Jesus in order to test his doctrine. He posed, the, he posed this question, teacher, what requirement must I fulfill if I want to live forever in heaven? Jesus replied, what does Moses teach us? What do you read in the law? The religious scholar answered, it states, you must love the Lord God with all your heart, all your passion, all your energy, and every thought, and you must love your neighbor as well as you love yourself. And Jesus said, that is correct. Now go and do exactly that, and you will live. Wanting to justify himself, he questioned Jesus further, saying, what do you mean by my neighbor? Jesus replied, listen, and I will tell you. There was once a Jewish man traveling from Jerusalem, Jerusalem to Jericho. When bandits robbed him along the way, they... Guys, a scripture. I didn't want to do this. I was reading it at home, and it struck me the same way. They beat him severely, stripped him naked, and left him half dead. Soon, a Jewish priest, walking down the same road, came upon the wounded man. Seeing him from a distance, the priest crossed to the other side of the road and walked right past him, not turning to help him one bit. Later, a religious man, a Levite, came walking down the same road and likewise crossed to the other side to pass by the wounded man without stopping to help him. Finally, another man, a Samaritan. Now remember, Samaritans and Jews did not get along. They hated each other. They were at odds with each other. Finally, another man, a Samaritan, came upon the bleeding man and was moved with tender compassion for him. He stopped, he stooped down and gave him first aid, pouring olive oil on his wounds, disinfecting them with wine and bandaging them to stop the bleeding, lifting him up. He placed him on his own donkey and brought him to an inn. Then he took him from his donkey and carried him to a room for the night. The next morning, he took his own money from his wallet and gave it to the innkeeper with these words, take care of him until I come back from my journey. If it costs more than this, I will repay you when I return. So now tell me, so this is Jesus. So now tell me which one of these three men who saw the wounded man proved to be the true neighbor. Then the, then the religious scholar responded, the one who demonstrated kindness and mercy. Jesus said, you must go and do the same as he. Here, the religious scholar was wanting Jesus to say, obey and do this. But he showed him it was about relationship. It was about love that goes beyond right and wrong. Jews and Samaritans did not mix They did not get along. Jesus is showing us it is about relationship. It is about relationship. We have to get past paradigms that we have about doing it perfectly. And then if you keep going down, again, he shows us that it's about relationship. This is about Martha and Mary. As Jesus and the disciples continued on their journey, they came to a village where a woman welcomed Jesus into her home. Her name was Martha, and she had a sister named Mary. Mary sat down attentively before the master, absorbing every revelation he shared. But Martha became exasperated by finishing the numerous household chores in preparation for her guests. So she interrupted Jesus and said, Lord, don't you think it's unfair that my sister left me to do all the work by myself? You should tell her to get up and help me. The Lord answered her, Martha, my beloved Martha, why are you upset and troubled, pulled away by all of these many distractions? Are they really that important? Mary has discovered the one thing most important by choosing to sit at my feet. She is undistracted, and I won't take the privilege from her. Again, he's showing us what is the one thing, the one important, the one good thing was to be with Jesus. Not to be busy doing relationship. Relationship. It always goes back to relationship. Donna, you can do the next slide. There we go. Jesus promoted relationship. God does not have a goal of obedience and compliance to a set of rules When we are living out of a paradigm created by our upbringing, it can be detrimental to our view of Father God and his relationship we were destined to have with him. 
It can be detrimental when that's when we're living out of our natural paradigms. It is so much better his way. It is so much better his way. You can go to the next slide. Some of what I just said went through all my slides for that part. Keep going. You can go to slide six. Our behavior follows our beliefs. Our behavior follows our beliefs. Our beliefs determine our interpretation of events. Those interpretations dictate our feelings and prepare us to then act in the way consistent with our beliefs. Okay, so we're talking about faith. What are we believing? If we're believing rules and right and wrong, what did I say that happens? The walls come up. If the walls come up, we used to have the course called Trust Without Borders. Trust Without Borders. But every time we start to think about right and wrong, the walls come up and there's borders around our trust. What happens when there's borders around our trust? How far can we go? Now, it's not that God's put borders on us. It's that when we're living from the wrong paradigms, that puts borders on our trust. But again, do you see that we weren't meant to live out of right and wrong and rules? We were meant to live out of relationship. Faith is relationship. Faith is relationship. When you look at, I'm going, Donna, I'm sorry. The PowerPoints are out of the, I'm going, I'm going off the PowerPoints. I know. It's all good. You can just keep going. Go to the next slide that says the anatomy of a relationship. The anatomy of a relationship. When you look at the word faith or pistis in the Greek, and my mom hit on this a little bit, and you guys have heard me talk before, is, is I keep saying relationship. Why do I keep talking about relationship? Faith and relationship go together because when you look at pistis, when you look at pistis in the original Greek, right, when it was being used, it was a word that spoke of trust with another person. I have my big old word study that I did on this word here. And I think because, you know, and I say this all the time when I teach and I use the different Greek words, but God is showing us through the words that Jesus chose to use and that the the men that were inspired by the Holy Spirit, the words that he chose to use so that we could see and so that we could understand, and then that is what we would live from, not our natural understanding of things. And so here are just some of the things. It's this word pistis. It has the active and passive sense of trusting and worthy of trust, reliable. Pistis means confidence, trust, with reference in the sense of to a person. Okay, so here this word is used with trust to a person. So when it's talk, when the word in the scripture, pistis is used, the people of the day are realizing they're talking about trust with a person. So when it says that the just shall live by faith, they shall live by trust in God. And this was a picture that they would have understood that this is a trust can you have trust? When you, think, when you hear trust, what do you think of? Act like we're in a classroom. What do, when I say trust, what do you think of? Confidence? Relationship? Wife? Anybody else? Act like we're in a classroom. We used to have little classrooms where I would call on you. So trust, what do you think when I say trust? Somebody you know. Anybody else in the back? Your kids? Someone you can believe? Who else? Someone you love. This side of the room. Reliable? What? Reliable? See, when I say trust, these are the things that you are saying. So what do you think... When Jesus was walking the earth and he was using this word. See, this is our word trust. And this is what you guys are are thinking. This is what's coming to your mind. So when Jesus is walking the earth and he's using the word pistis, what do you think the people of the day were thinking? They were thinking all the things that you just thought. They were thinking relationship. So do you think it's jarring to their paradigm? All of a sudden... 
they're living from, I've got to keep the law. I've got to do these things. And now here comes Jesus talking about a relationship, talking about pistis, talking about trust that the just shall live by laws. Is that what he said? The just shall live by laws and rules and right and wrong. The just shall live if they are perfect. No, he comes and all of a sudden, why do you think he was disrupting their paradigms? Because God never meant for us to live without him. We were never meant to be perfect on our own. Who makes us just? Jesus. Not us. We will never be able to make ourselves just. We were never meant to. So here comes Jesus. And instead of saying, because see, that's in that scripture in Luke 10, they wanted him to say, obey. Do it right. And instead, he's saying, he's talking about relationship and going past, going past what your culture would tell you to do. The just, so he comes and he says, you shall live, you shall zoe. Here I go. I'm going to say it again, Alex. I know I say it every time. The just shall live. You shall zoe. You shall have divine life by relationship with your father, God. So this is giving them a whole new picture of what their life is supposed to be. So of course, it was hard for them to grasp this. And it's crazy, all of these thousands, late, thousands of years later, it's still hard for us to grasp this. Because you know what? Rules could be easier. And I've said this before. Tell me A, B, and C, and I'll do it. Give me a formula for what faith is, and I'll do it. But that's not what it is. Jesus is saying, come and know me. Come and know me. And that's what faith is. That's why faith is the first building block for the year so that you can walk into it knowing the rest of this year as you're, as you're getting the different building blocks, as you're hearing things that maybe you've heard a lot, but all of a sudden it's clicking because it's bypassing your paradigm. And instead of you sitting here thinking, God, I mess up all the time. I can't do that. That will be washed away right now Because you'll know it's okay that you don't get it. It's okay that maybe you haven't been doing whatever you think you've been supposed to be doing. Because that's not what it's about. It's about you and God. That's it. That's literally it. It's about you and him. That's it. It's about you and God. The just shall live by faith. The paradigm is getting ripped apart. So now all of a sudden they're looking at this life and they're like, okay. So if it's not about rules and it's not about me keeping the law, what is it about? And so what is the anatomy of a relationship? Will you go to the next slide? So all of a sudden, all of the things that, can you go back? It skipped. Go back to the slide that says, um, There we go. So all of a sudden, they're looking at this life in a wholly, totally, completely different way. Because when you think about relationship, what are the what are parts of a relationship? Just say things. What are the parts of a relationship? Conversations, Conversations, communication, you and me. You You can say the words up there if you want. Fun. Did you say something about? Yeah, proximity. Right, closeness. That's a good word. Right? So parts of a relationship, all of a sudden they're thinking, okay, so if it's not about that, it's about relationship, intimacy. Intimacy, conception, birth, life. All of a sudden they're thinking about relationship with God. Okay, so my picture of relationship is a husband and a wife. And so that's, you have to think husband and a wife. There's closeness. For me, I know David. 
I know David better than sometimes he knows himself. I'll know what he's going to do before he's going to do it. He'll be standing there and I'll be like, okay, what are you doing? I know you're, you're about to do something. And he'll be like, what do you mean? I was like, no, you're just standing there. I know you're about to do something. Why? Because proximity, because of fun, because of communication, because we have a relationship. We know each other. And from that knowing each other, from that intimacy, from that love, what happens? Conception. From our love, we are intimate. And then what happens? I conceived my children. Now, we all know this, and these are things that we have heard before, but what happens when our paradigms seep in? If me and David, if all of a sudden I'm, so he does something and I'm like, Ugh. or he feels like he's done something wrong, does that bring us closer together? It makes us move farther apart. If we're farther apart, is there intimacy? There's no, no babies. There's no intimacy. What happens the longer we allow these things to get in the way of our relationship? It's not about right and wrong. And that's why I keep, I will say it 500 times. I will say it for the rest of my life. For five people to get it. Because I know what it can do when you realize that it's not about doing it right. When you realize that you will never move farther away from him. Can I share something with you guys? Just be completely honest. God loves you so much. I, and this is how much, like, I sit, and this is the kind of stuff I look at all the time. And if you've heard me teach and I say the same thing, it's because this is what I'm looking at all the time. This is how I live. This is how I walk through life and can deal with the things that come at me. Because I realize God's love. I realize that no matter what I do, he loves me. To the point where it almost makes me mad. I know that doesn't make sense. So me and David, because we have a good relationship. Because we know that it's not about either one of us being perfect. I was going through something and I I told him to sozo me. Give me a mini sozo. So he's doing it and I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm me. So if you know me, I'm, I'm being me. And I'm like, whatever. But although I asked him to do it. And so he's like, well, what's God saying? I'm like, God, that he loves me. Right? And so he's like, he's like, okay. Okay, well, how does that make you feel? It just sounds typical. Because of course he loves me. What I'm trying to explain, I was feeling that way in that moment, and I know that God doesn't care that that's how I was feeling. I was being completely honest in that moment because I know that he loves me. He loves everybody. He doesn't love me because I'm better than somebody. He loves us because he loves us because he loves us because he loves us. I want you to get to the point where you realize that no matter what, that you will be completely honest with him, with all of your feelings. Because when you hold him back, we know that God knows. We know that he knows all of our feelings. But when you hold them back from him, you're creating distance. He's not going anywhere. But when we allow our feelings, even in that moment, and I told David Asozo, me, I was, you know what? I was like, you know what? Of course you love me, God. Can't you tell me something else? But a complete honesty. Not because God needs it. Because we need it. You need to be able to know that you can go to your father. And say absolutely anything. Because intimacy. Because 
He's not going to move farther. He, he's always right there. Don't allow anything. I go to God and tell him that I'm mad at him. And then he slaps me upside the head and makes me, okay, well now you've done it. Here's what you need to do. Relationship, intimacy. Don't let any feeling come between you and God. Because what happens? Just like in a natural relationship, intimacy, intimacy, conception, birth, and from birth, from that love, from that relationship, when there's intimacy and there's conception and then there is life, it is the same thing in our life, our relationship with God, faith, pistis. This, the just shall live by faith, your life. It's the same thing. When you look at words and confession and meditation, logos, rhema, trust without borders, This is the same picture. When we are in relationship with God, you look at these words for confession, right? Confession, confession, let's go to Romans 10.10 real quick. Romans 10.10. Romans 10.10. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. See, this isn't just a conversion scripture. Made unto salvation. All that salvation is. Confession. Confession is, in the, in the Greek, it's to say the same thing as. Who are we saying the same thing as? So here it says that confession, unto, confession is made unto salvation. So when we are saying the same thing as God. Salvation, all that is in, packed inside of that word, everything we will ever need, we have. And so when you think about this confession, when we're saying the same thing as God, when you're in relationship with God, you're confessing, you're meditating. This word meditation in the Hebrew, it's Hagah. Do you have that slide that has the picture of the brain or like the little, like the outline of the human? You're not, you're, we, I don't know if we're ready for that one. We'll do that one at the end of all the building blocks, Miss Donna. Hey, Donna. It's like, hey, Siri. What did she say? Hey, Donna got it. Is it on there? Well, fine. Hey, just stay there for now. So I'm looking at all the different words here because I'm building a picture of all of these different concepts that we see in the word of God. All of these spiritual biblical concepts, how these are fitting into our life of faith, how these are fitting into. And it's really a picture that God is showing us through the inspired word of God. that These aren't just separate concepts. These are a part of our life. Right? Even the confession unto salvation or just confession, even when you see that, that about confession, it's that same word, homologeo, that these aren't just concepts, right? That are taken, okay, well, I have my morning confession, right? Morning confession is great, but these are, these are, these are words that are being used to show us a whole life picture, right? It's not a separation, it, this is your life. So who are we all, who are we homologeoing, right? Who are we saying the same thing as? See, confession is a part of our life because God created us powerful with our words always creating. So he's showing us that a life of faith when we're confessing because our speech is a confession, our life is our con- a confession. Our communication is a homologeo of something. So God is showing us what we homologeo, right? If we're homologeoing him, salvation, life, everything that we need is what we have. But if we're homologeoing not him, then what we're conceiving and what we're giving birth to is not of him. But when we're in relationship with him and we're being intimate with him, we are saying the same thing as him. We are meditating on him and his ways. His ways are so much better than our ways. So what we're giving birth to, what we're creating, because we create with our communication just as he created with his communication. While we're homologating him, what we're birthing is life is zoe 
is godliness in the sense of like Jehovah, the existing one. Right? And so, again, so we have homologating. Who are we saying the same thing as? What we, who we're intimate with is who we're going to homologate. So you look at meditation, Hagah, and it's all of these really cool words to murmur, to converse with, to converse with oneself. Who talks to themselves all the time? I'm always talking to myself. And hence allow, I know, right? Speak, talk, babbling, communication, mutter, roar, mourn, a murmuring sound, musical notation, study, ponder, revolve in the mind, imagine, pray, prayer, reflection, devotion. And then what happens there is it's kind of hard to see, but it shows that all of these different things that are meditation are actually how God made us with our, light, our right and our left brain. Is that all of these different things hit the different places that he has already divinely created us to do. So meditation isn't just, um, you know, I'm just looking at the word, but it's a lifestyle. It's a constant. What are we? Because these brains of ours are constantly going constantly. They're constantly listening to music. They're constantly taking in what we look at on the news. They're constantly looking at whatever we're reading. We're constantly meditating. Whether we're purposefully meditating on God's word or not, we are always meditating. So what we're taking in constantly, because this is how God made us. So what he's doing is he's showing us exactly how he made us so that we can live a life where we are producing after him, not producing after the world. Because he knew how he made us. He knew that we are divinely made. He knows that he made our brain like this. So that when we're living in 2020, he knew all the things that we would be impacted by every single day. And he's saying this, okay, so this is how I've made you. Be intimate with me. Don't move away from me. Don't allow your paradigms to come between us. Because he knows that this is what we're constantly doing anyways. Not just when we're choosing to be spiritual. Right? I, what I'm trying to do tonight, and it might feel like I'm all over the place, but what I'm trying to do is take these concepts that we've all heard a bunch of times and take them away from being concepts into being and showing that God is just showing you how to live. He's showing you how he made you. This is exciting. Remember, none of this is meant to make us feel bad. All of this is supposed to make us feel excited. This is how God made us. God made us to take in his promises, to take in the seeds of truth, to take them in, to meditate on them, to let all of these different things happen. And then we would confess them. We would birth them into our lives because as we speak them, and again, when we allow this relationship, this life of faith to be our life, and maybe we're not even literally thinking, well, this is, I'm spiritual now, but now I'm work. No, this is who you are. Take it out of the realm of, of church building. Take it out of the realm of all of that. This is life. This is who you are. This is why with God, anything is possible. You know, the other day, what did one of my kids told me? They said something. Oh, Liv, she said she wanted, she's constantly saying things like she wants to be the oldest. She's the baby. And she said, well, you know, God could make me 21. And then I would be older than my brothers. And she's like, because, and she's like, because God can do anything. And so in that moment, I'm thinking, how do I? How do I answer this? Because God can do anything. And I don't want to cry. I don't want to tell her, well, no, that's not possible. Because really it is possible. I mean, my brain, you know, it is possible. So I said, I was like, okay, God, you're going to have to help me like answer, say something. Cause she's like sitting there, like literally like, <laughs> and I said, I said, well, here's the thing. I said, you're right. God can do anything that he wants, but he won't cross his will. 
And his will is for you to be seven right now because he knows his plans and his purposes for you. He knows his plans and his purposes for you. So anything is possible. Anything is possible. Right? Because even in that moment, because I wanted to think, well, no, that's not possible. <laughs> you know, like, but then I was like, no, it is actually possible. Because God could make you 21. Will you um, go to the one for Rama? Again, I know I talk about these things all the time. But I want you to allow, like, literally just take these things and let them sink in. This is who you are. Not just random concepts. This is actually the slide that I think when I taught, how, like, I feel like it was a year ago, that I actually didn't have up here. But again, taking these things because... I taught about like Logos is the whole word, Jesus. It's, the tr- it's truth. But then Rhema, it's like taking that truth and conceiving it and giving birth to it in its Rhema. It becomes personal to you. It's like you've taken that seed of truth and in that, that intimacy with God, you've given birth. A lot of times, have you ever heard of, of um, when couples might struggle to to conceive and then sometimes they'll they'll just kind of relax and then all of a sudden they conceive because our natural bodies when we're under stress it's the same in the spirit if you're if you're stressed and you're I mean, what do you do when you're stressed you you just you're tight and you just you worry and you're not in trust but when you relax and you take in these truths your body, you, does what it was created to do. You take the logos, you take the seeds, you meditate on them. You do all of those things and it just happens when you're just taking, when this is your life, right? It's not just a 10 minutes that you do in the morning or a five minutes lunch. Those are all part of it. But it's a constant, all the time thing. And so you've got the logos and it's, it's just going over the truth. You know, even if you don't have your Bible right in front of you, but you're thinking about God's promises, you're allowing what he speaks to you to go on the inside. And when you look at Rhema, this is, I love etymology. Again, I love a PowerPoint. I love a graph. I love a chart. I love an etymology system. So when you look at Rhema, so Rhema is that which is spoken. Rhema comes from Rhea, which is to pour forth or to utter, which Rhea comes from Epo, which is to speak or say. And then epo comes from Femi, which is to, and I'm probably saying these words wrong, but again, it's not about being perfect. Femi is to make known one's thoughts to declare. God is making known his thoughts to you. Because what were you built to do? A woman's body is built to do what? To conceive life and to give birth to it. What were you created to do? You were created to conceive God's truth, to take his promises, to conceive them, and you give birth to them in this realm. That's what you were created to do. So he's making known his thoughts to us, and that comes from phos, which is light, which phos comes from, I'm not even going to try to say that word, to bring forth into the light, to cause to shine, shed light, to bring forth into the light. You are giving birth to things that need to come into the light. God's truth needs to be birthed into this realm now. There are things that you were built to give birth to. And you were made to do it. So when you let go of paradigms, when you let go of the things that would separate you and God, it happens. That's why Jesus came and he showed us through his earthly walk over and over and over again. That it's not about the law. It's not about doing it right. It is about relationship with your father. It's about relationship with your father. 
Will you go to the slide where it says, actually, I'll just read it. Pastor Barry's definition of faith. The ability to conceive the seed of God's word and cause to bring forth in abundance the promise it carries in itself. This is Pastor Barry's definition. I'm going to read it again. The ability to conceive the seed of God's word and cause to bring forth in abundance the promise it carries in itself. That is what you were built to do. You were built to conceive the seed of God's word and to bring it forth into abundance, the promise it carries. You were built to do this, to bring forth in abundance where? Here. For 2020, just like Liv wishes she could be 21, but she wasn't built for then. You were built for now. You were built to carry things that only you can carry. That's why we're all here right now. Because we know there's more. Because if there wasn't more, would we be here? No, we wouldn't. Even if you're only here because, well, it's Wednesday. There is something deep inside of you that knows there is more. I'm going to finish with this. So this is how you were built, right? This is who you are. Faith is your greatest instinct. Think about instincts. Instincts, I'll read the definition of an instinct. An instinct is a largely inheritable and unalterable tendency of an organism to make a complex and specific response to environmental stimuli without involving reason. Without involving reason. Inheritable. Faith is your greatest instinct. You were built to trust God. You weren't built to reason it out. You were built to trust him. Not to say, okay, well, I don't understand that. You were built to trust God. That is your greatest instinct. Think about it. Jesus says, he said that he has come to give us life. He has come to give us a zoe, right? And I did a whole, I've done lots of teachings on the fact that he didn't use bios there, or bios, which would be natural life. He came to give us a divine life. So if he came to give us a divine life, our instincts, our greatest instincts wouldn't be natural ones. Our greatest instincts would be that of a Zoe life. Faith is our instinct. You were built to trust God, just like I was built with a womb that carries life. You were built You are a womb for the things of God. I don't have to think about how it happens. I'm just intimate with David. And I conceive. You don't have to think about how it happens. You don't have to know how God's going to do it. You don't have to figure it out with your brain. Because your greatest instinct is to trust him. That's what you were built to do. That's why sometimes in situations, you'll feel peace even though your brain doesn't understand it because you were built to trust. That is your instinct inside saying, trusting God, I know you've got this, Father. Jehovah, I know you have this. Even though your brain might be freaking out. Why? Because your greatest instinct is to trust him. You were built to trust him. Romans 12, 3, 
For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. To every man. And I want to let you guys get out of here, so I'm not going to break. I have it like literally every single word broken down. But that, that literally means to every man. Not to every perfect man. That word it means to everyone. Everyone deep inside has been given this instinct of faith. What happens? The hearing, right? Faith comes by hearing and hearing. What happens? Somebody hears their father's voice and that instinct is awakened because it's been given. God, that instinct is in every single one, every single one of us. When that, when we hear our father's voice, comes alive and when you look at that word it talks about something being like stowed stowed on the inside almost like as if a ship had something stowed underneath we all have that faith stowed and what happens somebody hears faith comes by hearing they hear their father's voice and that faith that instinct is awakened and it whoa and a relationship is started You were built for faith. You are a faith being. You were built to conceive God's word and to birth it into this realm. That is what you were built to do. Now, not 10 years from now when you are doing everything right. Not 20 years from now when you're more spiritual. It has nothing to do with that. It literally has nothing to do with that. You were built for it. You were built for it before you were built. So, from, so this year that you have committed to, if any time those thoughts, shame, guilt, try to come in, wipe it away. Because that's not what it's about. Jesus did not say that. God did not say that. If it was about right and wrong, Jesus never would have come. Because we were already, there was already just rules, laws. Jesus came to show us. It was about relationship with our father. This is what you were built for. Father God, I thank you for the picture that you give us in your word, that you are showing us exactly who we are. I thank you, Father God, right now that you just are stripping away paradigms. I thank you, Father God, that I just seal up right now every heart so that if, if shame tries to come, if guilt tries to come, that we are already sealed up and it bounces off. And it bounces off, Father God. I thank you that we were built to love you. We were built to take in your truth and to birth it. And we don't have to know how. And I just thank you for all of this. In Jesus' name, amen.